Firstly, I'm in a garage, Paul, all right? Metaphorically or physically? Everything about me. My penis is in the fucking washing machine. My head is in the garage. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Movie Chef Podcast, where we really do make a meal out of movies, don't we, Cormac? Station! Station! I am Tebs, bringing you a very special episode. They're all very special nowadays, but we are bringing you the Bill and Ted trilogy this week. Are you all are you all cocked locks and ready to rock, my friend? Of course. I've always had my cock in my hand and ready to roll. Ah, <laughs> uh, dear me. No, we'll come on to them in a minute, but first of all... Gather round, children. No, not your cock. Put your cock down. Get out of my face. Every, That's a bad joke. Every time we record, it always has to come down to you getting half naked. Um, the news. Are you ready for some news? Well, let's do random movie trailer first. Uh, Love and Monsters. Did you watch this one? Uh, I did. And mm. it, has, it has me at a pickle. Go on. So, I watched the first... 20 seconds of it mm-hmm. and I want I wanted to hate it with yeah. every fibre of my being and then it went on and it got a bit funny and it got a bit monstery and I started to enjoy it and then it added in a bit more of the love shit and I was like oh it's kind of brought that back again and then it added a bit more of the monster stuff and I was like oh that looks interesting so I spent I spent the entire minute and a half just going, ah, oh. Ah. <laughs> so this is the the new release coming out soon uh, called Love and Monsters with Dilly, Dylan O'Brien and Michael Rooker. And it's um, Dylan O'Brien and his childhood sweetheart get uh, get split up due to a, an apocalypse, a monster apocalypse. Um, humanity is sent underground by the look of it, and he sets out on a road trip to find his... One true love. So it seems like the ultimate date movie, doesn't it? Humanity ever go into the sky? Why is it always underground? It's cheaper to dig than fly. Balls. I wanna, <laughs> I'm going to go as possible. I want to be on the top of a fucking mountain and the do skyscraper. You know, do you know what I thought about this, Love and Monsters? I, I was the same as you. I'm like, I can't be done with all the tween, heartthrob, fucking true blood, romance, forced crap. Uh, and I like the idea of the road movie. Because you know what you screamed to me that it's Zombieland, but it's not fucking so smug with itself about how funny it is. Yeah, Zombieland had this. You know, it was funny at first, and the more you watch it, you just like you just know they're all sat there patting themselves on the back. We've got we've got Jesse Eisenberg, we've got Buddy Harrison, aren't we clever? Zombieland Two was a fucking disaster. It wasn't great, was it? It did that. Yeah, the first one was watchable. The first one was watchable, and it was funny enough because it had, you know, it's kind of like when you first see Shaun of the Dead, you know, it adds in some new wee tropes. It's taking the piss out of itself a wee bit. Um, You know, all the rules and stuff was kind of interesting. You know, Jesse Eisenberg, you know, having IBS and stuff and always looking at, you know, that that Mm. was fun. But the second movie, and you know me, I hate movies, and I think you're the same. 
sequels that just fucking wink constantly at the screen. Huh? Mem- remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Remember? And that's and that's why I was so against Bill and Ted Face the Music at first, because I just thought it was going to be an hour and a half of going, look, we remember the jokes from the first one. And that's what Zombieland, that's what Dumb and Dumber 2 does, that's what Anchorman 2 did to an extent. They went, hey, do you remember, do you remember all them jokes from the first one? Here they are again. What What is hilarious, seeing the exact double of us turning up and in the monster truck with Zombieland 2 so yeah it's it was just absolutely full of itself but this love of monster it looks like it's a bit more <sighs> I'm trying to think of the word it's got Michael Rucker in it that's all it's you got need Michael to Rucker in it that's that's all you need it, it just needs to say love of monsters tagline it's got Michael Rucker in it so yeah um, I'll be watching that one what about you yeah 100% I'll, I'll, I might actually go to the cinema to see that one the cinema well, it's coming out August, uh, excuse me, October 16th, and it actually says at the end of the trailer, come in your, for home viewing. So yeah, I think it's even going to be released on like Hulu or something, or it's going to be released on, I don't think it were on Netflix. That disappoints me. Uh, I, I'm starting, I'm starting now to, to crave going to the movies again. You know, I'm starting, I'm starting to think to myself, I, I, I need to go and see a movie and sit in the cinema and just let the world, you know, go to fuck. You know, all behind me and outside out of the world, like or outside of the building. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at the tickets that were for sale for some showings when Tenets first came back on or first came out, and they were just full for about a week. Mm. And I just thought, I don't want to be sat. I don't want people brushing past me. I don't yeah. want people coughing behind me. I, yeah, but I want to get out and do something that feels a bit more human again but anyway we'll see so um speaking of viruses madonna is going to be directing her own <laughs> because because rocket man has done so well and because bohemian rhapsody has done so well what does everybody want a biopic of madonna directed by madonna and written by diablo Cody. christ on a bike this is uh, this there is there is nothing <laughs> that i do not want to see more than a Madonna biopic done by Madonna for Madonna to make Madonna's ego go even bigger. This, it it's, it's, why? This is on the same lines as the Hulk Hogan film that's coming out starring Chris Hemsworth. And if it's got Hulk Hogan as a producer then it is going to be whitewashed. Excuse the pun, but Hogan would like that one. It would... <laughs> it would... Uh, and it's sanitised, and it's the image that they want to put across. It's not terrible here. It's, it's Hulk Hogan. It's not whatever a real name is. It's Madonna. I mean, yeah. I just think it's going to be total vanity project. I think it's going to be along the lines of the Princess Diana film that came out with... Uh, what's her name? Naomi Watts. Um, total, yeah. I... <laughs> Sorry if I'm speaking for you, but are you wanting this one? Do you want a Madonna biopic? You know, she's just not that interesting. Nah. You know, you know, Elton John is, is is interesting. You know, he has had an interest in life. That documentary, what is it, uh, Tantrums and Tiaras? Do you remember that documentary mm. in the mid nineties? I do. That was fucking superb, and it made you want to see Elton John more. You know, all the shit with. Buying fucking truck tons of flowers, you know, being married, you know, in the in the late seventies, early eighties, you know, is he gay? Isn't he gay? You know, all the stuff with Bernie Tolpin, you know, that was interesting. He's an interesting guy who who wrote fucking amazing songs, 
even Bohemian Rhapsody, the uh, Sasha Baron Cohen was in line to do the film at one point, and he says, "I want to do it once and all. I want to do it about the um, dwarfs that were hired to have plates of cocaine on their heads round at parties, and I want to do all them stories." And to be honest, I'm going to exclude most of Queen. And Brian May and Roger Taylor and everyone were there saying, "No, no, no, we, we're going to get equal screen time." And Sasha Baron Cohen apparently just said, "Well, you're boring. Why does anybody want to hear about you?" Exactly. Yeah. Well, like. I think part part of, of Sacha Baron Cohen wanted to do as well is he wanted to go kind of in depth into Freddie Mercury with with the, the, the AIDS scare and, you know, and mm. stuff like that. And, you know, of course, as soon as you fucking say AIDS to anybody in Hollywood, that, oh, no, no, AIDS doesn't play well. Yeah, no, can't do that. You're like, well, no, because that is probably, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, and it's like, that's probably one of the most interesting things that people can talk about with Queen, is, you know, the fact that, I think it was their, Frank Mercury was making albums up until, you know, he he, he actually succumbed to that fucking horrendous virus, and yeah. he was so fucking belting out the, the songs, and, um, like, I, I'm old enough to remember when Freddie Mercury died, and, you know, n- no news media said what he died of until maybe like a week, two weeks after he died. You know, oh yeah, it was very much a it was very much a dirty secret, wasn't it? It wasn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People did. It was kind of like the like Kenny Everett. You know, people didn't mm. know. People, you know, when when they died, people just didn't understand what it was or whatever. Like, but I I, I would have found Sasha Baron Cohen's Bohemian Rhapsody ten times better than than Remy Malek's. Yeah, yeah, I'd have watched that one. <laughs> 45 minutes of Bohemian Rhapsody and it was literally just actors wanking into a bucket over people and it was just like no nah, I don't really want to watch something like this no and I don't want to watch the Madonna one either. I think the only reason I'd watch the Madonna one is if it's the absolute car crash I think it's going to be yeah. I, I, I just I think she's going to be sold as this you know young woman in 80s music industry America uh, having yeah. to use a sexuality for this, that, and the other, and I just think it's it's going to be an absolute fluff piece on her. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Sasha Baron Cohen, though, um, Borat Two. So we had Borat, cultural learnings of for America for make benefit glorious nation of Kazakhstan to give it its full title back in 2006. The mockumentary, um, basically taking the piss out of America, and apparently Borat Two has been filmed and screened for critics already. Um, this one apparently will be Borat going undercover um, with <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen playing Borat, who is playing Cohen. So I think he's filmed an awful lot as himself, probably with hints of Borat underneath. So Borat is shaving the tash off to be Cohen. I think it's an interesting idea, and I think I know there's been a lot. He's been doing a lot of stuff in the news recently. Cohen has. Um, yeah. It was at the uh, the right wing he- rally. Not like Mark Zuckerberg or Zuckerberg, as he calls him. Um, but yeah, as you say, he was at that rally and he was singing those real, real, real racist songs, and everybody was getting into them. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, as soon as they realised, I think that they realised it was a prank. They started trying to pull the, uh, they started trying to pull the amplifier and speakers apart, and Cohen were jumping into a van and he was straight out of there. And I tell you what, the guy has got. Balls the size of King Kong. 100%. I'll tell you an even better story about that, which means that he has bigger balls. He jumped into the van and got away. 20 minutes later, he came back dressed as as someone else 
and started interviewing the crowd about what they'd just seen on stage. Christ. Yeah, that that that's that that's the measure of them. But you know, I agree with probably ninety five percent of the stuff that Sasha Baron Cohen talks about. So it's you know probably better just to to wait and see what this Borat thing is. But but I I thoroughly enjoyed the first Borat movie. I know it's one of those put your hands against your face and uh, you know, you know oh, yeah. the time. You know what? It's genius. It is absolute genius. The way you can get some... He realises that by reflecting these racists and these anti-Semitic attitudes, they feel comfortable with him because he's one of their own. And then they let the, the veil drop. And that's when yep. you get them sort of spouting their right-wing bullshit. That's and just... The truth comes out. When yeah. You're comfortable, you're comfortable when, with someone, that's, that's when the truth, your real feelings, your truth comes out. And he just exposes them to the world, and he does it, and it's hilarious. Absolutely well, hilarious. I think in the first movie, there was a scene where they had the... Was the two or three college guys in the back of, like, a minibus or something? Yeah. Uh, and he... Got pretended to get drunk with them and was drinking with them, and they all started, you know, obviously giving off their uh, their jock and uh, middle American attitudes, and um, they actually tried to sue Sasha Baron Cohen, yeah, um, for for doing it. And I think there's been obviously a few times they tried to be sued, like, but they they obviously signed the waivers, and then they tried to get past that by saying, you know, we were intoxicated, you know, blah blah blah, we we couldn't, you know, consent when we were drunk, but. The judge just basically threw it out and was like, "Well, no, you signed your waiver. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. like you signed it. That's why they get you to sign that bit of paper." And no, he is an absolute genius at doing that. I'm, uh, I'm, I am actually really looking forward to that Borat too. If it's again, if it is a another Michael Moore sort of, you know, let's just attack whoever's in power at the time. Then no, but I think Cohen's a little bit classier than that. I think he's a little bit more. Uh, bit smarter than that so um variety are reporting that netflix is going to be really pushing delroy lindo for um best male actor at this year's oscars for the five bloods the spike mm-hmm. lee film that came out and i'm 100 percent behind that he was an absolute force in that film yeah i i, I love delroy uh yeah you know fucking gone in 60 seconds uh one of my favorite movies yeah he yeah. was a, fucking amazing in it um, wasn't he in um, what he got? Um, now you see me as well. Um, yeah, it might have been. I know he was. I know he was in uh, the one with Jet Li. It was Delroy yes. Lindo and Jason Statham. That is a brilliant. The- yeah, that was a brilliant film. That was absolutely brilliant. I, just, I was just disappointed that you don't need CGI to speed up how fast Jet Li is. Is is an absolute weapon on his own. You don't need it. But I, you know, I still had fun with that one. And who don't love a bit of Papa Roach? But no, I'm, 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 I like this that Netflix are already going out there and saying we've we've got our horse and we're, we're going to sort of start pushing for this guy to get his best best actor nominee. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Fully behind that. The Five Bloods. Yeah, it was it was one of them. It, it, Usually with me, with Spike Lee films, I'm kind of like, I don't need a political message, like, shoved down my throat when I'm watching a film. Same way that Okja, you know, the one on Netflix about the big pig. Have you seen that? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, and it's like, oh, veganism's good, meat-eating's bad. Now, I would never have guessed it, just, I just don't want to watch it while I'm watching my films, but some people do, some people enjoy it, but The Five Bloods, I thought, was um, very timely. I think it was a, it was a good piece, and I think, I think it... Judging by everything that's happened and the character who's playing, I'd love to see him win that, but we'll see. Um, 
what else have we got? Okay, big news of the week. So Ant-Man 3 have announced the protagonist for, well, Ant-Man 3 coming out. Um, Peyton Reed's going to be directing. And, excuse me? I said again. <laughs> again, yeah. It's, it's, it did all right. They were serviceable, weren't they? Ant-Man and the Wasp was pretty shite, but it had that poor, it had that effect of having to come in between uh, just before Infinity War. Was it just before? It was just after, wasn't it? It was just after. Enjoyed Ant-Man and the Wasp. Did you? Yeah, I really liked it. Water Gardens. I, I fucking love see, Water Gardens. Again, I think he was wasted. I'd have loved to have seen him in a a bigger sort of villain role rather than whatever he was. But if they carry on the story and they carry on what we're going on, because they, they laid a lot of groundwork in Ant-Man 2 for, um, you know, this sort of nefarious backer who's sort of pulling the strings and he's investing and he's wanting all this tech. Uh, and I wouldn't mind seeing that. Well, anyway, so uh, they've announced that Jonathan Majors has joined the cast and he will be playing a new Big Bad. Do you know who this Big Bad is? No. Kang the Conqueror. Oh, no Kang. Yeah, so Kang, uh, my understanding, again, I am a comic book fan that doesn't read comic books. Kang is a time-travelling being who is up there with Thanos and Doctor Doom as, like, big, big bads. This is an Avengers-level threat rather than just an Ant-Man-level threat. Am I right in thinking that? Kind of. So he's going to be turning up in Ant-Man 3, which is probably going to lay out... Um, it's going to lay out the movies moving forward. I don't think we're going to get an Avengers film for about another four or five years, but I, I like that they're already laying sort of the groundwork for having a new big bad in, a new sort of overrunning story. They've got straight into it rather than just treading water for a few films and let everything catch up. Well, they have to kind of set it up, don't they? You have, mm. to have, have to have their Iron Man and their Thor and their Captain America before they can fucking unleash another Avengers movie onto the world. So I'll be inter- I'll be interested obviously to see who the body is going to be in this one. Um, you know, obviously rumors are going around that it's Galactus. Uh, well, no, this is with this announcement of Ant Man Three, Kang the Conqueror. So he's Kang is more than just a he's a an all powerful time traveling being. Uh, he's had mix ups with Avengers, X Men. He's been involved with God knows how many different people. Um, this isn't just a, a bad guy for Ant Man Three. This is looking like this is the guy that. They're going to be taking on for the next few movies. I hope. I hope that's the case. Anyway, I don't want them just to be a throwaway like the Mandarin. Um, but it looks like they're setting this all out. I think the Kang was a lot to do with, um, if I remember correctly, the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Um, he was. He, he was a villain for them. Um, so I'm just trying to. I'm trying to wrap my head around where he would come into the world. But he might just, he, as you say, he might just be a a villain. You know, he might just be maybe a a Loki or be, you know, something like that. Yeah, it might be. I mean, I'm looking when he first made his appearance. Yeah, Fantastic Four number 19 as Kang. Um, Alter ego of Nathaniel Richards. Um, I'm just reading on Wikipedia now. His team affiliations are the Council of Kangs and the Cross Time Kangs. This is going to be Rick Sanchez, isn't it, from Rick and Morty? Uh-huh. Um, his abilities include um, an expert scholar, time travel, genius level intellect, skill tactician, hand-to-hand radiation, radiation ability to absorb other forms of te- technology, and a will-sapping ray gun. Okay. So there you go, yeah. So, uh, basically, it's this Nathaniel Richards... Um, Is it a will-sapping ray gun? Yep, apparently it just makes you really 
lethargic. <laughs> lethargic and pissed off. Just real down in the dumps, just. That's a way to, that's a way to kill somebody. Let's go get him, guys. Oh, for, forget it. Nah, nah, just go watch fucking Kardashians. So, uh, yeah, so Kang was created sort of in the 31st century. He was travelled back to Rome, uh, excuse me, uh, Egypt, Rome. I'm playing uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey at the minute, so I've got like Greeks and Romans on the head. Um, he's had dealings with Doctor Doom. Look, he's been all over the place. I really think that this could be the sort of his origin, which sets him off time travelling around. But we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Um, could this be uh, an entrance back from to the Fantastic Four? It could well be. It could well be. Like I say, he's he's one of their sort of notable villains. Um, Ant-Man and the Wasp and Ant-Man and the Ant-Man trilogy, well, what will be the trilogy, has always had something to do with the quantum realm and quantum physics. And we've got space for a new uh, genius. Now Tony Stark has gone to meet his maker, so maybe uh, Reed Richards can fill that spot. So, yeah, I think they're, they're really sort of showing that even though all the films are sort of in stationary at the minute, they're ready to go ahead and sort of share what the plans are for the next sort of five years, hopefully with this character. Imagine if they just do another Mandarin, a, a character like Kang the Conqueror that's been around and is taken on all these different teams, and he turns out just to be like a, a homeless drunk that throws bottle, empty beer bottles at pigeons or something. They just turn him like they did with the Mandarin being an out-of-work actor. It's just like, going to be what like... A, what an absolute waste of Ben Kingsley as well. Like, Oh, God, Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like it's it's just it's one of those things that Marvel very rarely fucks up, and there's a few times in, in the whole fucking universe that they have fucked up, and not using Ben Kingsley. Like, do you remember seeing Sexy Beast for the first oh, time? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Don Logan in fucking Ben Kingsley and Sexy and Sexy Beast is one of the scariest fucking characters that you'll get. If you haven't seen Sexy Beast, you fucking need to go right now and see Sexy Beast because yeah. it is it is a fantastic movie. It was, what, about 2000? 99, 2000 it came out? Ray Winston as... Ray Winston as the, uh, the Cockney gangster that retires to Spain and... One of his old uh, bosses comes looking for him, Don Logan, played by Ben Kingsley, and he is terrifying. You know those guys that are in a bar that just look like everyday blokes, but you say <laughs> something wrong and they give you that look like they would wrap the pool cue around your face. He is that terrifying. So, yeah, go watch Sexy Beast. And to, uh, I could rant on for hours about Iron Man 3, about what a waste it was. What an absolute waste. But but we can't. We don't. We don't have hours. But we are going to bring out a new uh, a new segment. We are ever evolving on the the Movie Chef podcast. We <laughs> are bring. We it's are about br- Iron. <laughs> it's about Iron Man three. Here goes. No, we are bringing you the wine list. Uh, every good restaurant has a wine list, and we are bringing you the wine list. Every soft and Cormac and I are going to bring you something that we really want to get off our chest and have a moan and a whine about, um, wh- whether it's movies or football or kids or that mole on your back that you haven't got checked yet. Whatever you want to have a, a rant about, go ahead. So do you want to take the spotlight first, sir, or shall I? I'll go. I'll go first. I'll go first. Um, my one is about TV shows, right? So my main gripe is do you remember back in the day whenever you were watching a TV show and it came out on TV? Obviously, our viewing habits have changed over the last 15 years with Netflix and all these streaming services and blah, 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 blah. 
my main gripe is that why the fuck can't TV shows make their series this quicker? Why the fuck does it take two to three years to make a fucking TV show nowadays? Like, I, I don't, I genuinely don't understand it. I don't understand why Umbrella Academy will now take another fucking year and a half off and then to make a movie. Now, I understand coronavirus. I get that. I understand that sometimes cartoons, you know, take a little bit longer. But South Park kind of proves that now that South Park can, Matt Stone and Trey Parker can write a fucking episode on Monday, um, have it digitally fucking filmed by Wednesday and release it to the fucking network on a Friday to be viewed on a Friday night. Yeah. And like you look at Stranger Things, Stranger Things takes two years to fucking come on to TV. Now, I, I'm, I, I don't know about you, but that pisses me off. I don't understand why it takes so fucking long for things to come out. Final Space is another one. Final Space is a great fucking animated uh, show on Netflix. Um, See, I've never watched that yet. Is that any good? Oh, well, you say it's great, but... Yeah, it's good. First season was great. Um, second season got a little bit convoluted. Um, but it, it still got me. It still got me in, in, in its hooks. And I, I am looking forward to the third season. But again... I watched the second season, I think it was in November last year, and the third season won't be coming out till summer next year. Like, mm. What the fuck is taking it so long? I, that's what annoys me sometimes. It annoys me the length of time that TV shows take to come out. I mean, Rick and Morty, I mean, okay, Rick and Morty is, takes about two or three years between series, and they're only released like six or eight at a time. I well, think. I think, I think uh, Dan Harmon and your other guy, what's his name? I can't remember. Justin Roiland. Justin Roiland. Um, I think they, they signed that deal with um, Adult Swim or Comedy Center or whatever it is that it's going to be quicker this time. So the first okay. season, between the first season and second season, it was two years. Between the second season and third season, it was two years. But I think they've signed like a fucking nine season deal with them. And I think one of the stipulations was it has to come out every fucking year. No, no more of this two-year bollocks. I mean, Netflix as well, if you're talking about TV shows, they have basically, I don't know if it's been leaked or it's become common knowledge now, that they don't commission anything longer than two series, unless it's a Stranger Things or an Umbrella Academy, because somebody will, you'll sign up for Netflix because you want to watch Umbrella Academy, and then you mm. keep your subscription because you might as well wait until the next series comes. It's only a year. Then you watch the second one, and by that time, you're hooked. You're paying it every month. It's done. Um, Disney Plus, with me, I, I subscribe to Disney Plus again to watch Hamilton. And then, all of a sudden, I'm hooked. I'm in. And yeah. the Netflix now have, won't be re-releasing. They did it with Marco Polo. They've done it with God knows how many different TV shows, because they know advertising a third series of something won't get any new subscribers. All you're doing is placating the existing subscribers you've got well they're paying anyway so give them whatever they want and I just think that's pathetic but yeah no let's have some more Mandalorian they managed to yeah, uh, them yeah. around pretty quick didn't they 100% and I can't I, I am so excited for Mandalorian I've I seen the, the, see the trailer for it and as soon as I heard Pascal say this is the way I was like ah yeah that trailer, that trailer looks fantastic that's the stuff I need well I'm going to have my wine well Masks. Oh, which way is it going with this one? <laughs> right. I've got no problem wearing a mask. And the correct way 
ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, is to cover your face, <laughs> over your mouth. It's not, it's not a beard, brah. Over your nose and cover to stop particles going into your body and making you sick or leaving out of those two holes, three holes, excuse me, and making other people sick. Who the fuck thinks it's sensible to have a mask over your mouth leaving your nose exposed? I was stood in the supermarket today looking at a whole queue of men and women with the nose out. And it's like, if there's a fucking raging fire in your garden and the smoke building up, close your front door so the smoke don't get in. All right, but I'm going to leave window open because I like it nice and airy in here. Are you fucking idiots? Absolute fucking idiots. Like you say, wearing them under the chin. It's like, if it says, oh, you must wear a crash helmet while you're riding a motorcycle down the street, what are you going to do? Wear it on one arm? Oh, it's all right, I'm still wearing it. I'm still wearing it. It's not against the law then. Absolute fucking tools. Sorry. I had I had a conversation the first day, and this is how the conversation went. I was wearing my mask in the queue for Greg's, and mm-hmm. waiting, waiting to get a coffee, and washed my hands. This person walked in behind me, and I kind of turned around, and he looked at me and went, <laughs> sheep. And I turned around him and I went, sorry, excuse me? He's like, why are you wearing that mask? And I was like, well, I'm wearing it because I, I may have a virus um, and I don't want to give it to people. Or you may have the virus and I don't want to get it. And he looked at me and goes, ha, taking away everybody's freedom. And I was like, what what freedom is that? Yeah. He's like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, what what freedom is wearing a mask? I don't I don't understand what freedom that they're taking away. And he's like, ah, you'll just believe everything you read. And I was like, well. No, no, I'm not going to believe everything I read. Now, obviously, I'm giving you a fucking. This conversation went on for a while, mm. and I was like, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not believing everything I read. It's just that there is a virus around. And he looked at me and was like, ah, whatever. And he kind of turned his head around. And I was like, no, I'm kind of interested in this. And I was mm. like, why do you think that they're trying to make us wear masks? And he's like, ah, sheep. And I was like, no, please don't call me a sheep again. I was like, I want you to tell me why you think they're trying to make us wear masks. What freedom's been taken away? <laughs> sheep. And I just kept looking at him going, mm. you're fucking retarded. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is people reading stuff on Facebook. Yeah. Because that's what it's, that's what it is guilty of. That's Facebook's the, the major cause of it. People will read stuff on Facebook from something that looks like a news site. And they'll say, oh, the government don't want you to know that. Yeah, but that's some guy who's in his mum's basement created a website that looks like a news channel to spout his crazy theories. We've got people apparently putting microchips in your body, um, 5G antennas emit coronavirus, but yet 4, 3, 2 and 1G didn't. Um, We've got Bill Gates wants to put microchips in everybody's head. Absolute tools. Absolute idiots. You know what we need? We need? We need harmony. We need to meet in the middle somewhere. We need we need something to unite the world. I like your segue. I like the style of your segue. <laughs> Should we talk some Bill and Ted? Let's talk a bit of Bill and Ted. Okay, so we're going to discuss Bill and Ted's excellent adventure and Bill and Ted's bogus journey in the next uh, the next segment. And then after that, we're going to talk first the music. Now, I have said we're going to be spoiler-free. Um, 
Cormac is going to be an elephant in a china shop and probably... Spoiler free. I am going to spoil the shit out of this movie, so if you haven't, fuck yourself. I'm going to talk about it. Okay, so this film officially hasn't even come out in the UK yet, where half our audience are from. So uh, if you haven't seen Bill and Ted yet, I'm going to put I'm going to put a time uh, a time credit in the uh, in the description of the podcast, so you know to skip through that segment. Um, but here comes Bill and Ted. Should we? Uh, ah, fuck it, let's do this. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Go. <laughs> the 1989 film um, written by Ed Solomon starring Keanu Reeves and I always forget the other uh, Alex Winters um, of two they're not stoners are they this isn't a stoner comedy these are two stoners they are just fucking morons two bogus morons who just want to stumble through life meet babes play the rock music in their band and get by, and it turns out that they're one of their dads, uh, Ted Theodore. Uh, it's Ted Theodore Logan the second, isn't it? That's his dad. Wants to send him to a military school in Alaska. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and where at that point it turns out that uh, we've got Rufus who comes from the future to tell these boys that their band is going to be the most influential in humankind and bring peace and love and harmony to the whole world and they must complete their history assignment so tell us about this tell us about your love of bill and ted because you've you've you you love these films don't you from the very beginning uh obviously again i'll I'll hark back to the the ye old days of the 80s back in in oma um bill and ted obviously came a wee bit later for me bill and ted probably came about 91, uh, 98, 99. No, 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 no. 91, because that's, that's the way that the fucking, the cinemas worked over here. We didn't get these type of movies in, um, but so we had to wait for fucking these to come out in VHS. Um, so it was about 99, maybe 91, 92, uh, the first scene, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Um, everything about it for me, uh, was, was amazing. You know, that's being completely honest, you know, they aren't the fucking, they aren't the godfather. They aren't fucking apocalypse now. You know, they are what they are. Two fucking really stupid guys who love each other as friends, who completely believe in each other as musicians, completely believe in each other as human beings. Uh, they have no malice in them whatsoever. They just have love. You know, they are progressive. You know, just two guys just trying to get by in life, just trying to enjoy themselves. Um, and for me, it was amazing. Obviously, written by Ed Solomon and, and Chris Matheson. And, you know, Chris Matheson, his father, uh, do you know who his father is? Go on. James Matheson, so the guy that wrote I Am Legend, so the original I Am Legend, so the original story. Oh, right, okay. So he was like a sci-fi writer. Um, but he also wrote a few of the biggest uh, Twilight Zone episodes. So the Nightmare at 20,000 Feet with Shatner, you know, the guy in, oh, yeah. on the way. Yeah, so he wrote that as well. Um, so Bill and Ted started out as a uh, a double act uh, on stage. So basically the start was two real, real stupid guys talking about history. And every couple of minutes, their, Ted's father would come up and interrupt them. 
you know, and, you know, they would just be talking rubbish. And it was supposed to be a three-piece, so it was originally supposed to be called Bill, Ted, and Bob. Right. Yeah, so, um, but Ed Solomon as well, you know, he has his, his writing credentials with Men in Black and Super Mario Brothers, Charlie's Angels, Now You See Me. That's why I kind of was kind of, Now You See Me in it earlier on, going, ah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, Bill and Ted, uh, yeah, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, I, I didn't remember the first one as much as the second one. I remember watching the second one to death because, like I said, I was born in 83, so I would have been, you know, seven when the first one came out. I don't, you know, mm-hmm. I can't really remember it. And we watched it, like my brother watched it to death on video, but I can't remember it all the way through. Um, I remember Bogus Journey more. So this was probably the first time I'd revisited this in about, God, 20, 25 years. <laughs> and, okay. And I loved it. Yeah, it was I, absolutely, I absolutely love these films. I think, like you say, there's there's no malice in these guys whatsoever. There's no um, trying to cheat people. And I, I read that when they first wrote it, they wanted it to be like where all the rest of the school hated them because the two loser yeah. dramatists. And I think that would have been so bad for this because yeah. it would have it would have filled it with negativity and you're almost forced to feel bad for them because they're being bullied all the time i don't want that and these two guys you can just sense they're just two guys that just want to get by they're not skipping school they're going to the classes they're trying the best um and so they end up going okay let's just say one thing that i wanted to mention george carlin is not in these films as much as i remember no, no, he was a bit part, but he was like, there were so many uh, others that they tried to get into the part as well. Um, they tried to get Sean Connery into the part, and I think most of them, I've read a few of the, the obviously Ed Solomon's writings, and I follow him on Twitter and things, and his kind of way that George Carlin is this movie, it was kind of like a happy accident. Um, okay. You know, he was, uh, he, he got the role and just everybody liked him. You know, George Carlin's comedy is seminal. You know, George, George Carlin in, in seventies and eighties, he's, he was the original Bill Hicks. You know, he was the, 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 the smart comedian's comedian. You know, he was the one that, that, that told people what government were going to do and they did it. You know, he was the people, the person that told, you know, society how society was going to be. You know, if you look at any, of George Carlin's stuff, even in the nineties, you know, you look at some of George Carlin's stuff and it is, it is so fucking apt to this day. Um, but yeah, you're right. You're, he's not in this movie a lot. I remember it as like, uh, Hal from Quantum Leap, where he's oh. there in the phone booth with them and flying around on their adventures. I just remember him being in it so much and no, it wasn't, but no, it was good to see him when I did. Um, so yeah, they obviously go around history collecting up notable sort of uh, historical figures for their only in America can they have such a can you history, I remember doing history presentation at school and it was like 5 past 3 till 5 to 4 and you went alphabetically so I knew I had to wait like 16 places before I did mine and you had 5 minutes and you read what's on your bit of paper in front of you maybe use the overhead projector if you're the class what and that's it these have got light shows they've got the stage all set up for a history for a history presentation so yeah um and i thought it was but it was one of those ones where so george carlin brings them rufus brings them back in time uh to prove to them you know what they can learn by using the time machine and then napoleon kind of comes through with them and then they realize they realize that uh, oh, we could actually go back and bring these people back with us to do our, our, our history exam or our history fucking oral tutorial or at the end of it. Like, um, obviously we'll get on to the end, but, but, you know, my God, what, what a setup. 
it was. It is. And I think they could have maybe done a little bit more of that sort of, you know, the man out of time thing. So you've got Napoleon quaffing down the desserts that he loves. You know, if there'd have been a bit more sort of Joan of Arc seeing, you know, gender intoler- uh, gender inequality maybe and having a, you know, really sort of going a bit further with it. But uh, they were very clever in using the stories of the people they picked up at the yeah. end and how it related back so Freud doing an assessment of Ted's life and um, yeah. Napoleon sort of explaining and all this kind of stuff and I just thought maybe if you know if we'd have seen a little bit more of that but I think it would have distracted I I really enjoyed this I really did so let's talk come on it's, it accumulates in the end then so they're doing the the presentations at the end yeah like everybody else is standing at the podium but Bill and Ted get fucking light shows and they get fucking music and amplifiers and they get fucking, you know, boards to show how Napoleon was trying to invade Russia. You know, it it just, (laughs) that's how, that's how stupid the movie is. It it is, it is an incredibly stupid movie. Uh, Yes. But, but I think that was the whole point of Bill and Ted. You know, it, it, it is an incredibly stupid movie. You know, it, it's we're not getting into fucking Terminator time travel lines here. Like, you know, we're not getting into fact <laughs> on what we learn in movies about fucking time travel. Well, you know what? For time travel, I think it's one of the few films that doesn't create that many questions of, well, what about this? What about this? Does it create, you know, Avengers Endgame went off into different timelines if you change one thing and some other people come back and there's an apocalypse they just come back everything's fine i love the fact where they say well no even though you're in a time machine you've still got two hours to get your history project in why that's just the way it is (laughs) that's just the way it is you've got two hours or the fact, or the fact that when they're they're breaking everybody out of jail, he goes, "Well, I'll go back, I'll go future, go back in time, and I'll put my keys there. There they yep. are. Right. There they are. Right. When the fuck does he go back in time? Because they took the time machine away from them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when did that happen? Fucking who <laughs> Um, bogus journey. Okay. As sequels go, I I think this holds up to the first. And Godfather. I'm, I've, it's Godfather too. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it brilliant because it's it, it keeps it keeps the uh, you know the spirit of the first one alive. Obviously, Bill and Ted have moved out, uh, moved into their uh, their own apartment, um, and now they're living with the fucking princesses. But he's still um, under the threat of going to military academy. Yeah, of course. <laughs> You know, these fucking 30 year old men will be forced to go to fucking military academy. Um, the, uh, this guy, what was his name? Um, Chuck Denomalous. Is that his name? Chuck Denomalous. Uh, Joss Ackland. Um, so he's the guy who is in the future and he goes to the Bill and Ted University and sends back the, the bad robots. So, yeah, so, like, Chuck Denomalous. <laughs> Do you uh, remember that? Denomalous, Dinomino- which Domino- is actually Ed Solomon, Ed Solomon backwards. Oh, really? Yeah, Denomalous, that's what it's called. Oh! <laughs> Every day is a school day. But um, this, for me, is a sequel, like you say, um, a lot of sequels either retread the ground that they did first, 
or they'll just try to do the first one, but bigger. They won't try taking it down a different avenue or whatever. And, you know, yes, it's a stupid movie. Yes, it's a, a teen, dumb movie, whatever. But the built on the world, in terms of the understanding of this universe they live in, so we saw the future more, we saw uh, the concept of where Bill and Ted are in that future, um, you understand the sort of almost the politics going on with it and the rules and um, you've got a bigger villain than the last time. The last time the villain was his dad wanting to send him to school. This time you've got a villain threatening to wipe him out of existence. Um, and it upped the stakes. And I like rather than just going back in time and picking up loads of, uh, you know, top fighters who could fight in their gang against him or something, they their journey was going through hell and the underworld. It was a different plane of existence. I thought it was just really clever how they've, they just tried something different. And absolutely, this for me is my favourite out of the two of them. Yeah, well, it was it was originally supposed to be called Bill and Ted Go to Hell. And yeah. they decided that obviously that wouldn't play with an American audience, you know, talking about hell. Um but the the whole point of Bill and Ted dying as well, you know, the first pitch that, that they did as well to, I think it was Orion, um, was like, right, Bill and Ted die. And the producers were like, no, no, we can't, we can't have that. We can't have that. And they were like, well, no, this needs to happen because this is, this is the fucking movie. Um, so obviously Bill and Ted die. The robots come um and they replace Bill and Ted, they take him up to the top of the mountain and they, they fuck them off the, the mountain and, and kill them. Um Bill and Ted then have to find a way to get back to life to save the princesses and to uh save if, humanity. <laughs> so if I can take this so I'm gonna take this moment to to put this forward and this is the only thing I wanted to make sure we 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 speak about. Mm-hmm. William Sadler is the greatest thing out of all these films. He is good. I think he's absolutely fantastic. But I can't, uh, ta- I can't take away from Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves. You can't take away. Okay, from yeah, okay. From out as a, as the a secondary character, a supporting character. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, throughout throughout the entire movie, like the both of them play these type of characters so well, so well. In fact, that Keanu Reeves said about it was about seven years after uh Bill and Ted was made. All I'm gonna be remembered for is Keanu or, or sorry, all I'm gonna remember for and all that's gonna be on my grave is here lies Keanu Reeves. He played Ted. Yeah. And you know, and you look and you look back at that now and you think to yourself, you know, anybody who obviously likes Keanu Reeves nowadays probably may not have seen fucking Bill and Ted. No. Maybe you know, but and that that is what you know. Maybe seven, eight years after Bill and Ted, Johnny Mnemonic, you know, all that. Well, I was going to say this, right? So, nineteen eighty nine was Bill and Ted, Keanu Reeves. So, filmed, was, filmed in eighty six. Filmed, filmed in eighty six. Eighty six. Yeah, it was filmed in eighty six, eighty seven, and it was in like kind of development hell. Um, it was because your man Delorientis, his production company. Um, went out of business and they were originally going to put it on TV. They were going to put it over two nights uh, on TV and then Orion uh, bought it over uh, and then they released it. But you could probably tell sometimes in the first movie that whenever sometimes that they're talking, you can see that the voices don't match Bill and Ted or 
sometimes what they're actually mousing isn't what is coming out of their mouth. And that's because all the post-production was done like a year and a half after right. the intent was actually made. Um, so they, they, they just put that together and, and chucked it out. But you look at Keanu Reeves. So for argument's sake, that came out in 89, okay? And then you add um, 91 was Point Break. Mm-hmm. Then 91 was Bogus Journey. Mm-hmm. My own private Idaho, Idaho 91. Bram Stoker's Dracula uh, was 92. The um, Francis Ford Coppola directed. Much about, much to do about nothing. Then by 94, he's playing Jack Traven in Speed. And is constantly mocked, very kindly mocked, for not having any range. And to yeah. play Jonathan Harker, Ted Theodore Logan and Jack Traven in the space of three years. And, and, and a few years after that, still say, still yeah. say that my grave will be Keanu Reeves. All I'm going to be remembered for is Ted. You know, and I think that's, I think that's a we'll, marker. And I think that's a marker for the, the writing of, of Chris Mathis and, and Ed Solomon, because they completely believed in these two characters. And, you know, they, they didn't change. They didn't divert. They didn't diverge from anything that these two characters were going to do. Um, and I think that's why I still have an absolute love for for the movies. But just going back to William Sadler for a minute. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, William Sadler was great. Three years. This was, oh no, this was what one year after he was in Die Hard Two. So he was, you know, the bad guy in Die Hard Two, Die Harder. And to then Copy. play this. A couple of years before one of my favourite movies, uh, Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight. You remember that with Billy Zane? Oh, yes. Yeah. He was no, well, And, you know, if you want to talk about character development in comedy films, it, the Grim Reaper gets served fantastically. It, it starts off as this menacing, demonic creature. And just gradually, these two lovable puppy dogs just... Badger him and badger him and, and destroy his will by built it, built, built, excuse me, beating, beating him at Twister, beating him at Battleships, uh, American football, best two out of three. And just the fact that when he gets to heaven and he's being dressed up in the, the woman's outfit and they go off to the God gives him, you know, some advice or helps him meet station. And he just goes back to God, the Grim Reaper. I'm sorry, they made me do it. <laughs> well, you know, and he's fantastic. You know what? One of the things about this as well is that I think I think people like I was checking up because I remember I obviously I've watched I've watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey about a hundred times each. Uh, me and my brother used used to literally you know watch them every every weekend. You know we loved them, um, and one of the things that I didn't know was that Bogus Journey came out the same uh, week as Terminator 2. Yep. So, you know, when you're going up, when you're going up against movies like that, it's like, it's like the death nail of the, the movie that came out the weekend that Titanic came out. You know, there was a great Irish movie uh, that came out when the, the same day as Titanic called I Went Down and no one ever hears of it. But it is fucking great. Brendan Gleeson's in it. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant movie. But that that's probably what happened with Bogus Journey. Um, it came out the same 
weak as Terminator 2. It had the time traveling element. It had that kind of sci-fi element to it. And I think everybody just wanted to go see a fucking bombastic James Cameron, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle. Oh yeah, everyone was ready for Terminator 2 when that came out. So I'm just looking at the, the money they made. So Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure did 40, 40 million and a half at the box office. I think we're just looking at American now. Um, 1300 theatres, 6 million opening. Um, yeah, for Orion. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey made 38 million. So it only made 2 million less. Which for, you know, it is sort of noted as not being as being a sort of inferior as the first and everything but I thought it was fantastic um, it, so 38 million across 1600 theatres um, 10 million opening again in the same weekend that Terminator 2 comes out it gets a 10 million opening so an increase in of 90, four. Yeah, in 1989 in uh, 91 that for Bogus Journey and then obviously we've got Face the Music so it held its own against Terminator 2 it held its own um, which would be your favourite then I've already said mine which would be your favourite out of these two Mine's going to be Bogus Journey as well. Bogus Journey, yeah. It's, I, I remember I remember sitting in front of the fire in Castleview Park listening to God Gave Rock and Roll, uh, you know, and and singing at the top of my lungs with my brother. And I think, again, that that's why I have a lot of love for this movie. It, it was for its time. Uh, it was a very well-thought-out, heartfelt you know, no nastiness movie. They're just trying to do one thing. They're trying to bring fucking harmony to the world. You know, a lot of people say it as a joke, but they don't make them like that anymore. No, they do. Well, well, do they not? (laughs) Hold your goddamn horses. I'm Lindsay Belenti. And I'm Madison Stengel. And we're the hosts of Ye Old Crime, where we discuss the funny... Hey, man, he's a nice guy. And they're like, no, he's disgusting. He has hooves. Strange. There are EVPs of spirits saying, get out in a room where patients committed suicide. And obscure crimes of yesteryear. Here, Justin. Here's your first phallic amulet. Join us Wednesdays, wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll see you next time with another tale. As old as crime. Okay, here goes. Uh, so we have seen a, we've seen a sneak peek of Bill and Ted face the music, haven't we, as a movie journalists that we are? Yeah, we got sent a, a copy of the Bill and Ted face the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, what we did was we we travelled to America. I know we're not allowed to right now, but we were desperate to these films, so we we got on a boat, didn't we? And we went over to America, got into international waters. Are, are so tired from all the rowing. And we were singing sea shanties. Ho, ho, blow the man down. Blow, blow, blow the man down. So, Bill and Ted face the music. Now, again, last minute warnings. We are going to be talking about the film. What we consider spoilers, you may not, and vice versa. So, we've put the time code in. If you don't want to listen, skip forward about another 10 or 15 minutes. Well, better make it 15. Um, Otherwise, right, I'll start this one. Oh. What's wrong with Keanu Reeves' face? Um, I think he's had a bit of work done. I think no. we used to, I think we used to have seen. Oh, of course he has. No. He's had he's had a peel. He's had a peel. I thought I thought either maybe chemical peel or that he had his eyebrows shaved off for some reason. Yeah, but, but I'm not used to seeing him without a beard recently. And all his John Wick and everything has been bearded. So maybe he just watch. looks younger. 
Right, you're 100%. That's probably the reason. The one thing I had against him in this, and even as I, after I watched it today, I've still got it after seeing the trailers. You know when you ask somebody to do an impression that they used to do at school and everybody used to run around laughing and then you ask them to do it when they're older and they just don't have the heart for it anymore? It seemed like the only person who didn't fully commit to this was Keanu Reeves. No. No, I, I, I think you're completely wrong. Okay. I think, I think both of them, both of them acted. Now, this is strange because I think Keanu Reeves in the first two movies sees himself as the superior one. So, right. I still think, I still think that Ted is the superior one. He in, thinks in, he's the brains. Yeah, in their relationship. Okay. And I, I think Bill Bill is still the kind of wee bit of a downtrodden. That's ten he's downtrodden, but he's still the kind of the stupider one with it than the two of them. I think Keanu Reeves plays it brilliantly. I think he plays that kind of I'm I'm smarter than you, Bill. So I, you have to listen kind of thing to what I say, but I still love you. And I think, you, I think they got that. I think they nailed that completely. Really. And you know what I was thinking? Actually, yeah. You know, I'll take it back a little bit because one thought I did have today. Yes, it feels like he's just doing it. At first, he felt like he was doing an impression. I, from what you said there, I do get how he's more like an old man. You can't be this dumb, hey, dude, when you're a 50-year-old bloke. You need yeah. to have some maturity and uh, uh, some gravitas about it. So, okay, yeah, I'll give you that one. But So what was your first impression then? Just give us your give us Cormac's first my, impression. My first impression of it was... When I started, like the the wedding scene at the start, I thought was fucking hilarious. Um, yeah. I thought I thought the whole kind of Deacon and 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 Missy, you know, getting married, you know, I thought that was fucking brilliant. I I did chuckle to myself. I was like, oh, she's gone through them all now. You know, she's going through. She's going through. Ted's dad, Bill's dad, Deacon. You know, who's gonna be next? It's gonna be fucking. You know, I don't know, Bill's mum or something. <laughs> it's gonna be something like that. That'll be the next one. Yeah, and you know, I I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, it got a wee bit into it, and I just thought maybe it's a little bit bare. You know, it was just uh, they they didn't have enough substance in the movie to to kind of to fulfil it. I like the angle of going to couples therapy. I like that angle where Bill and Ted are so attached at the hip. You know that they they talk. They uh, me, me and Bill love you, Joanna. You know, me and Bill love you, and I I really enjoyed that. Um, but it, it was kind. of it, it really starting. did, sorry, it really did dwell, yeah, I, I like the fact that the focus on them is in their relationships, like I said, they're acknowledging the time has passed, they're not just yeah. two guys living in a house and nothing has changed in the last 30 years. The, um, that scene, I felt, could, you know, another 15 seconds and it would have outstayed its welcome. It, it's that thing for me where modern, you know, the, is it Paul Feig, Feige? Feig, Paul Feig, yeah. Ghostbusters, the Bridesmaids, that kind of comedy where they're just they're sent off there to improv and because it's so funny and we all had so much fun on set, they decide to include three minutes of footage when one would have been enough. And I think it was yeah. just on the right side. But um, So the concept is that they have to... Basically, it's known that they produce a song that will save reality as we all know it. Um, and Bill and Ted have to, um, they have to go find 
the song that will save humanity. So they decide that they need to go into the future to find their future selves to, <laughs> because they will obviously have written the movie or the music or the, the, the song by them. Um, so then they can, they can see the movie. So they kind of think that it's, they're cheating themselves, but you know, no, we're not cheating ourselves because it's ourselves. Um, and then they go into the future and the future Bill and Ted are scumbags. <laughs> <laughs> And there's always been there's always been this um like the first one you had Bill and Ted going back in time they met themselves briefly at the start and end of the film an excellent adventure in Bogus Journey they met evil robot versions of themselves and and obviously when they were playing on stage they they decided to go for a year and a half guitar yeah. lessons <laughs> <laughs> and come back as rock gods. Um, and in this one, so it's always a combination of them having to face themselves in some form or another. Um, you know what? I I warmed to this very quickly. It, it wasn't... It. I think there are times when it, it's in danger of retreading earlier storylines. You see, you see this, is, this is where I am going to, to change tact a wee bit. When, when I said to you earlier about when you first can start kind of watching it doesn't seem that there's a lot of substance in it and i think that i might have liked a wee bit more of a callback to the first two movies because really there isn't that many you know you get you get rufus uh the hologram of rufus coming out of the the foam booth at the, at yeah. when they first go you know back to the future um then death and and that's really it okay so yeah we're going full on we're going full on spoilers now because I, I i can't dance around this so the subplot with um bill and ted's daughters they, they never mentioned there were boys at the end of Bob's journey did they no they just said um thea and billy and ever or, or little ted sorry little ted little and ted little bill. and, and little never, bill but I like that. I liked. I liked the fact that it was two girls. And yeah, I did. And the two girls that were in the role were fucking fantastic. Yeah, Samara Weaving especially. She was in Ready or Not, which was one of these, you know, horror sort of concept, and that was fantastic. Um, these were really good. I think the could again. I didn't want to just see them doing an impression of Bill and Ted. It felt yeah. like these these girls were smart on their own. They were just yeah. doofuses. They weren't, you yeah. know. They were so casual in life. Yeah, that's the good thing. It was kind of the mixture of their their mum's obvious and you know intelligence and, yeah. and their dad's kind of love for music and stupidity. You know, you, you can you can be smart, but you can be fucking stupid as well. And I think that's that's a kind of good that's kind of a good angle. And I think the both of them obviously played off each other well. You know, when at the start when they walk into the garage and they're talking about you know the song that they played at the wedding. You know, mm-hmm. I loved your your Albanian throat singing or stuff like that. There, or, you know, Brian Thurman was fantastic, and it was kind of it was like fucking hell. <laughs> but, but in I terms, that. I, I, yeah. I really. In terms of callbacks, I think the the daughter's subplot, I think that was very much a callback to one of the films. I think the whole subplot with the daughters was was a callback, and it was considering the the content of the film, it was I think it was nice. It was a really nice sort of little nod. I think at times there was too much of them. Maybe if they're not going to be making any more of these films with them two, 
I think at I'm, times there was a bit too much of them. I wanted to see a bit more Bill and Ted and. No, no. I, I, again, I disagree on that. I think okay. I, I think if Ed Solomon and and Chris Matheson came out tomorrow and said that we are going to revamp Bill and Ted with Billy and Thea, hundred percent, I go see that movie. hundred percent, I'd watch it. But if we're not, if if this was just. The swan song for Bill and Ted, for the franchise, for the world. I wouldn't mind just seeing a bit more Bill and Ted, but that's by the by. Maybe they did it because they want to see how popular it is, and yeah, absolutely, these two. I want to see a film with these two. Um, I think their storyline, I think, yeah, obviously the bits with death. Um, in fact, yeah, but then again, you had the Missy coming in, you had the odd characters in there. Yeah, but I th- I think that Missy that Missy and Deacon thing I I I find that fucking hilarious because I I like the fact from the set that you know from the first movie uh, Bill's dad was Bill's mom and then in the second the second movie she left and she left Bill's dad yeah. and you know Bill the scene where Bill's dad's at the party and you know he's kind of like all it's fucking you know <laughs> it's like oh god Missy's left me kind of thing. And then when it moves on to the third one, it's fucking it's Deacon and Missy's wedding, and then her, her Ted's dad's there. And he's like, oh come on, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say the, the 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 bit I laughed out loud, and I'm not going to say it again because it's not you know even if you you want spoil you know you're bothered about spoilers, I'm not going to mention it. But go and watch it again. But when they're in the garage first, uh, you know, in the first act, and they were discussing their options. And uh, they said, "What about all our fans?" The yeah. react, the, the line after that is absolutely fantastic. It was absolutely brilliant. I was howling. Um, look, I I wanted to hate this. I expected it to be another um, carbon copy cut out future sequel, like as we mentioned, Anchorman and uh, and um, God, all of them, Dumb and Dumber and fucking all them. Uh, really surprised. Pleasantly surprised. It meant we go back and watch the other two again to do this episode. Um, if they make more of them, I'm fully on board. Uh, I think it was great fun. I can I can be completely honest as well. At the end of this movie, I felt a wee bit of twing, and I was like, oh, I I don't want this to end. Like I just I just. I, I'm not ready for this to be the last one, and I could, and you know, there's the song at the end was playing, yeah. and it was you know, Weird Al Yankovic was in it and stuff like that, and I, and I just literally sat and watched the whole credits, and I was like, I got, I, I, I don't want it to end, and I felt, you know, and I, I think there's a few of them. Ed Solomon has said it, and Alex Winter has said it, you know, over Twitter. It's one of those movies. I know it's trite. I know it's fucking stupid, but I think we need more movies like Bill and Ted I mentioned it with Tommy Boy a few weeks back where it was just a bloke who is you know a bit dumb a bit daft don't mean any harm not trying to get into any harm nobody's trying to cause him harm it's just a bloke that's just riding through life and you want good things to happen to him and they do and that's what these two characters are they're not obnoxious they're not you know I, it's Pat is another one that jumps to mind. That is an obnoxious character. I don't want any good to befall them. I want them to be crushed by a boulder straight away. But Bill and Ted, you want good things to happen to them. And when, when they do, or they may not, who knows. Um, <laughs> one, one last thing, and we don't mention any context of it. 
do you think there could have just been a little bit more at the ending? Yeah. 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 It, Rather it, than the it, way it, Yeah, it seemed it seemed very thrown together. You know, everything was there just for, whoa, look, there it is. Well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> it seems it seemed like they um had to do that final scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they had very little time to film. Yeah, and they did what they could. And I, I, I wouldn't have minded another scene just after. But then again, is it that them heartstrings pulling? Where I just want one more scene. Okay, just give me one more. Now give me post credits. I think I think that that's that's I think that's my feeling about it as well because it didn't annoy me at all you know it didn't upset me at all i liked the characters in the movie i liked the pacing of the movie i just wanted more you yeah. know you know you know you just every scene that i watched i was disappointed but i loved but i was disappointed because i just wanted more in the scene and i was like i want more give just give me more of villain's head i want to see more i want to live more i want to hear more i want this i want everything and then when it came to the end of the movie you know when Obviously, it happened, and the music played, and then uh, there's a little post-credit music video and stuff like in the song that they played. They got it right. They, the end, they just got it right, you know, of everything. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, I think that's probably why, you know, they've been they've been saying about, you know, we just need a little bit more Bill and Ted in this world than anything else. So there's our Bill and Ted trilogy recap, and Bill and Ted Face the Music is obviously out in America now, it's out in an awful lot of places, and it's out in the UK probably by, so I think Wednesday it comes out officially. Um, so yeah, get watching that, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be, uh, paying my 7.99 or whatever it is, and I'm gonna be owning that one, cause I absolutely love that, so. So, um, right, first, our, uh, we've got somebody to induct into the Don Cheadle A-list. Uh, Sandra Bern, Sandra Bernhardt and Mark Miller are in there already and they're feeling a bit, uh, they're feeling a bit lonely together. So I would like to induct somebody who has paid as, who has recognised us, who is somebody from the lofty heights of stardom has shone down and recognised the Movie Chef podcast on Twitter just by a retweet or a tweet or a reply. Uh, oh, Sandra replied again to us the other day about something to do with Hudson Hawk. She said, uh, she said we are angels for including Hudson Hawk on our favourite film list. She's a close personal friend of the show. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm getting to the point where I'm just going to be like, Sandra, for fuck's sake, somebody enjoyed the film. Can you just take a compliment? <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you. I am reading Sandra Bernhardt's biography at the minute. Okay. <laughs> um, I can imagine it's quite political. And do you know what? No, it's 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 actually quite short. I was actually disappointed when I got the book through and from Amazon because it was kind of it was like a fucking John Le Carre book. It was like really fucking thin. I was like, ah, oh. but it's very very enjoyable. And at some point, I will tell the 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 podcast world uh, everything that's in it. It's very entertaining. It's very funny. Is she it is very fun, and it's 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 quite good. It's very very good. See, is it like um, one of those books where you just like you're reading all the stuff about? See, the thing I love reading biographies, but the first three or four chapters is like you read about some like an actor from Britain. I grew up on a council estate. My father was a coal miner, and my mother was a teacher. And you're like, I don't want to hear about this. I want to hear how you got drunk with Oliver Reed and smashed up a pub. Come on, get a move on. But Sandra, for me, it'd be like I'll flick through, and I'm like, come on, where's the Roseanne? Gets to Roseanne. Okay, here goes the Roseanne. I want to know everything about Roseanne. 
So the Don Cheadle A-list, um, we are proud to induct Mr. Ray Purchase, uh, an actor from London. Um, he's been in uh, Toast of London with Matt Berry. Um, absolutely, he's married to, um, well, it's Mrs. Purchase, isn't it? He's got his little <laughs> lovely wife at home. Apparently she's a prostitute. <laughs> well, well, well. No. no. I've, apparently <laughs> Ray Purchase Purchase is the the premier blow football uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. lady in Well Ray Purchase has actually like replied to us, I said he should play Keir Starmer in a future role and he liked that one and he replied well he retweeted it. But uh, no Ray Purchase he's obviously done a lot. He was in a uh, well he's he's got a job he had a job working around London recently, didn't he? On the uh, was it the Char- was it the Charles Dickens anti-gay bus tour? <laughs> <laughs> I saw him on a bus tour. He was. Uh... He was in the uh, was it was he not the beef eater? Uh, Stephen Toast was the uh, was the Charles Dickens. Oh, one. Stephen Toast was Dickens and and uh, the the Andy Gay beef eater. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Ray Purchase. But now look, we know um, Ray Purchase has obviously been to an awful lot of uh, anti-gay rights marches, and uh, is 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 quite a homophobe actually. So so I've heard in his in his home life, but uh, like you say, um, three years running, blow football champion, took the title off Ray Fines and. Bunty the other day, so yeah, Ray Purchase, welcome to the Don Cheadle A-list, it's it's good to have you. So, Cormac Daddy, what are we doing next week? Well, obviously we've literally just spoke about it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We are going to do uh, the classic uh, Starship Troopers. Yes, so, do you like Bugs and fascism with a hint of left-wing satire, and do you like co-ed showers? And do you want do you want to see Dina Mayer's boobs? Well, this well. is your film. <laughs> now, Starship Troopers. I think what the funny thing is as well is that do you remember your man Casper Van Dien? Do you know he married like a fucking like member of royalty in Europe, Did and he? then it, and they had like a fucking um, like a Cardassians type show. Of, yeah, it's just, like just a weird, weird kind of. Obviously, we'll we'll speak about it in the Starship Troopers episode. Like, but it's very, very, very strange. <laughs> very, very strange. Um, but I mean, this is. I was I was looking through this earlier. I'm gonna. I was looking for an excuse to watch this, and why not? We host a podcast together, so we might as well do it. Um, discount Gary Boosie is in this with Jake yeah. Boosie. Um, Casper and Diane, Dina Myers, uh, Dina Meyer, sorry. Um, Doogie Adam. Hauser. Yeah, yeah. Michael Ironside, Clancy Brown, you know, it's, it, it's full of the stars. Well, Paul Verhoeven in 1997 gave us an absolute fantastic piece of schlock. It was quite, I think it's Robocop for the 90s. I'd go yeah. far, I'd say it's Robocop for the 90s in terms of how it's, you know, it's satirical look at the, you know, fascist views to evil out invaders coming, taking your home, taking your jobs and killing your loved ones and let's go fight them and all this kind of stuff. I think this might be quite apt for nowadays. So next week we are bringing you a chef special. And then the week after that, Cormac, I haven't told you this yet. It's the return of the quiz. Jeez. Fuck you, Glenn! (laughs) So Josh and Ben, um, I think Ben's going to come back. Uh, Glenn, 
uh, at Real Glenn Davis is uh, apparently wants a crack at that title. Are you coming in as well? Do you want to try and regain some honour? Listen, Glenn fucked me on on the question. Right? <laughs> he was asked at random. You picked a random number. Glenn knew what he was doing. <laughs> he fucking snipered me from his shithole in Wales or wherever he lives. It, it, <sighs> is in is in England. No, I'm ready. I'm like he's he's the both of them are going down this time. Specialist subject, I will fucking know specialist subject. I'm, it's not going to be you texting me going, "What do you want your specialist subject to be?" and me drunkenly going, "Nicholas Cage." <laughs> so if you didn't listen to the movie movie quiz last time, have a, uh, the Game of Kings, have a listen to that. Um, so next time there's going to be four people. Uh, we're going to have. Move to rounds. If you're a podcaster or you're on Twitter and you want to submit a question um, for that round, then DM us at PodMovieChef. Don't put your questions out on the normal Twitter board because the idea is that the people taking the quiz don't know the questions before the before the actual quiz. So DM us the the questions. Don't just put it out. Oh, my question would be, how many Oscars did? Oh, fucking hell! Right, okay, ten. everyone's good. ten is one. Um, so that's in two weeks' time. Set a, set a date in your diaries. Next week, Starship Troopers. Uh, welcome, Ray Purchase, to the Don Cheadle A-list. Um, Bill and Ted's done. We've probably just admitted to movie piracy. And we've introduced a new segment. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty productive show, isn't it? Not really. <laughs> Have you got anything else to add? Mm, be kind, rewind. And party on, dudes. Oh, yeah, station. In fact, no, I'm not having that. We're not finishing the episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, and station. Come on. Enthusiasm. Let everybody go go to bed or carry on driving or whatever they're doing with a bit of oomph. Give, them, give us a big hurrah to say goodbye. Go to fucking bed, dickheads.